What a great half hour of cladino that just was. And uh, what better way to back that right up with the little Wall Street this week with Manny Frangidakis and Stamati Sastras. Gentlemen, good uh, good morning. Kalimera sas. Kalimera. Kalimera, Manny. Kalimera. Happy Friday, and let me ask you the question everybody wants to know. Are we going to get a stimulus package or what? No. Um, I actually wrote an, an, a market outlook probably a few weeks ago where we kind of lined out why a stimulus package wouldn't be coming down the pipe, and it's it's pretty simple. It's it's not really about the, the dollar amount. You know, right now there's, you know, a couple hundred million between what both sides have proposed. The issue is, it's not whether it's 2.2 trillion, 2 trillion, 1.5 trillion. The issue is how you process the funds and who gets it. And one of the biggest issues is monies for cities and states and, you know, which businesses, et cetera. So um, they haven't been able to come to the table in a few months now. They're not going to be able to get it done in a matter uh, before the election. And I don't think that either side is truly actually putting their best foot forward. Um, even this morning, you had a reversal from President Trump saying that no, we do want to do something. And then you have uh, McConnell who comes out right after and says that we're not going to get a deal done before the election. It's just it's not going to happen. So I don't think that we do get a stimulus plan done before the election. But the reason why you have the market riding right now and why some people are, you know, at least, you know, in putting the idea forward that markets might reach new highs before the election is because of the fact that. President Trump's odds, at least from the polls across the country, are dropping pretty significantly. And one of the stories out there is that he's not going to have enough time right now to be able to catch up uh, and that you could potentially have a blue sweep, meaning that the Democrats take the House, they take the Senate, which is a 50-50 coin flip right now, and they potentially retain ownership of the or they get ownership of the executive power. If that were to occur, what they're speculating is that early in 2021, you would have a massive fiscal stimulus package offloaded by the Democrats who would control all powers and they'd be able to get the number they wanted and be able to pass it through as quickly as they wanted to. So that's why you have the market soaring right now. It's that that potentially the fiscal policy could be even larger than what would have been happened before the election just based off of the political polls. Uh, Manny, if you can uh, explain also some of the basic differences of the two programs from the Democrats and the Republicans, and who do you think is going to benefit in either win? Look, I think we understand what the Trump administration is. Um, if we stay on this path, it's going to be the same old, same old. It's going to be a, bitter, a better business environment. So corporate taxes would stay low. Individual taxes would stay low. He would even probably try to throw another tax cut into the system. So it would be more of the same than what we've experienced over the last four years with potentially more friendly outcomes. Uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum, the Democrats would raise corporate taxes. They would raise individual taxes. Now, what people are alluding to is, do you have a potential fiscal policy that offsets whatever rising taxes you have? We are taking the opposite standpoint. We are saying that even regardless of a massive stif uh, fiscal stimulus package, which, you know, candidly, you could be looking at $10 trillion of fiscal stimulus over a two-year period, but you're looking at a 4 to $5 trillion tax raise when you look at individual and corporate taxes going up based off of the numbers that have been put forward by the Democratic uh, 
by the, by the Democrats. And I think that it would actually be a net negative for the economy. So it just really depends on where you line up. Uh, obviously, we have better social system. We have more money to flow towards schools and states and cities, as well as programs uh, that they back. But the business environment would definitely change for a negative. And uh, you, you did mention about the, you know, the uh, optimism of the stock market. Uh, uh, do you think uh, th there is a, uh, there's fundamentals for that? Because the Federal Reserve chairman uh, uh, yes. did say he was worried, but uh, what about the fundamentals? Well, I think that what the chairman actually did was inappropriate. He needs to stop begging for fiscal policy. It's not a mandate of the Federal Reserve, and I think it's actually damaging to their independence. But what to your point, Samati, is that not only do you have the Fed, but every single central bank across the world is not touching anything. Australia remained last week. You had Christine Lagarde from the ECB come out and said that she needs more stimulus, that what we have done so far isn't enough. So that is a bullish sentiment for the stock market because that means rates will stay low probably through 2023, that we will continue to pump liquidity into the system uh, and keep interest rates as low as possible. So that is a that is a benefit for the stock market and one of the things that they are running with. And uh, uh, do do you think that um, I mean obviously if the pandemic uh, goes down if we have the vaccine uh, what what do you think is a, is a threat to the economy what keeps you up at night uh, for the night we have gone through so much is is there another pothole that you are worried about? Um, I think it's the same old, same old. I mean, the biggest fear right now is do we have these? Look, we have a number of companies in stage three clinical trials, but as any investor knows that has ever touched anything in the biotech and pharmaceutical world, nine times out of 10, stage three doesn't even mean anything. So the fear there is, yes, we're moving, we're making tremendous progress because of science, but does it actually live up to the hope and optimism that is currently surrounding the market? That's the biggest fear is that does what we expect to occur over the next year take longer uh, or at least cost more than we're expecting? Uh, no, uh, the, and, the and on top of that, just employment. Employment is a big fear right now. I mean, you're talking about we've, we've become more of an economy of haves and have nots. Um, so the upper end is doing just fine, and depending on what industry is doing, it's fine, but one in five small businesses are closed, and those are not going to come back. So. What does the employment situation look like? There's a number of jobs right now that, you know, are state programs. None of those are getting funded right now. So how, what does the real unemployment look like when we actually get to the back end of this? Because we've alluded to this point many times over. The data isn't consistent. We don't have enough information. It is manipulated right now to show that we are increasing more jobs. But if you look at the deep data, it's all part-time workers. No one's getting a, a full-time salary position right now with benefits. So it's the other real fear that I'm afraid of is what does employment look like on the back end of this? And then what does that mean for consumer spending and for the economy? Yeah. Uh, the and we're about to, and one more point I'll throw in there. One, uh, one of the other things is we're about to experience a massive transition from baby boomers going into retirement um, and onwards. And the other biggest fear that I have right now is pension obligations not being met. Um, they were 33, they were, they're only 33% funded in 2008. So they are in a drastically painful position right now. 
and you're talking about interest rates not being able to move up for the next four to five years, you're going to put retirees in a massive you know, financial problem, theoretically, because they have nowhere else to hunt for yield. And, you know, should financials get disrupted while they're trying to enter retirement, it could be a massive issue for the economy. Yeah, that's a big, big issues. Um, if, if we talk a little bit about the technology stocks, uh, they have had an incredible year. I think uh, what NASDAQ is over 20% year to date. Uh, sure. uh, I, don't I don't remember the exact number, but it's over 20%, I think. You see specific stocks that they are doing extremely well, uh, doubling and tripling price. You see some other stocks that, you know, in the, in the technology sector, but are not doing so well. Is, is this is, is this a bubble or or there is something here, something real? I mean. The only fear you have with technology right now, for the most part, is antitrust laws and a change of the tax code. Barring that, this isn't 2000. These companies are massively profitable, and they have a, they have a growing market share. To think that even only you know consumer spending on a virtual standpoint for e-commerce is still below 30 percent. So you're talking about massive opportunity for them. The question is, does government get involved? Does monopolistic theories get put into place, and do some of these companies get broken up? You've obviously started the start of that with the Republican uh, representatives bringing that to light over the last month, which is why some of these stocks got hit pretty hard in September. But I think depending on where you are and in which tech companies you're involved with, I think that you can feel pretty comfortable. And what I mean by that is you want to be invested with the companies that have a very, very large moat, meaning that they're not afraid of competitive influences from other organizations, Amazon being one of them, Apple probably being another one of them. Amazon, to be honest, is probably going to explode higher in share price than anyone is probably thinking. I've seen, look, I had a three-year price target of probably 5,000 a share. I read a, an art, I read a piece of uh, research yesterday that is calling for Amazon to be 7,000 a share within five years. So depending on which companies you're involved with and how deep their moat is and how well of a position they are to capture more market share, I think you can feel very confident being invested in those places. Some of the other ones, maybe not so much. It just really depends. Like, for example, like Microsoft might have some issues. Apple could potentially have some issues just from, you know, cost of capital overseas as well as uh, further competition. It's a saturated market but there are new innovations being brought forward. Now, can they keep up with those? So it depends on which organization you're invested in. But tech overall as a whole, I'm not super excited about. What I love is the individual opportunities like Amazon and some of these other places that uh, you, know, you want to be situated in and protected in. I think you really are moving to more of an active role than a passive role where you can just buy the index. Yeah, and uh, my, my question was, uh, yeah, just to follow up, if someone is not in that rally, if someone has not participated since March, did they miss it? Should they think about getting in? Look, I wouldn't be put if you if you I'll give you a perfect example. I had a client who freaked out in March and, um, you know, part of our job is to pay market psychologists and to try to make sure that people don't make an irrational, emotional decision. Unfortunately, he 
didn't heed to our advice and decided to go all cash in March. Now I'm working with this person almost daily having conversations on how we can get them potentially invested again, but it's not right now. And it's not probably in any of these high tech stock uh, stocks. What I would be looking at is diversifying the allocation, which we've done getting into asset classes. There's some tremendous value opportunities out there. I still think that what you're going to see right now is you're going to see the bank stocks take off. Um, you've already started to see it over the last two weeks. And even if you don't have exposure there, you can just buy the ETF, which is XLF. Um, and I think that you are, in the honest September, it was the largest transition from growth to value since uh, 2008. And I think that you're starting to kind of see that take place now. But, you know, I wouldn't be chasing this going into the election. If anything, most people are concerned, given the heightened volatility. Uh, and if anything, they're making proactive decisions right now to de-risk, hoping for the opportunity to buy in on any price breaks. Manny, always so well-rounded. Manny, the day after the election, um, depending doesn't on doesn't mean anything, Teddy. Doesn't, doesn't mean, mean anything. anything. You know, it'll be. I don't think we're. I don't. I don't. You might don't, have a swing yeah. in the market one way or another for a day or two, and you don't Here, think it really matters. Here's here's honestly what I think happens. I don't think we know the outcome of this election until the end of November, possibly early December, and I don't doubt that potentially the Supreme Court has to get involved. And I don't see it being a, uh, a an amicable split of power where these parties are willing to accept the outcome. I really don't think it's going to happen. Um, so I think that if you're looking for clear and concise information and an understanding of where we're going on November 4th, you're probably not going to get it. Yeah. I think that what you probably see happen is, realistically, you probably see the Republicans in the lead on election night because what we know so far is more Democrats are sending in mail-in ballots versus Republicans are choosing to actually go to the polls. Yeah. So I think that you'll probably have a front runner on election night that probably doesn't line up with the true outcome three to four weeks later. And sure. as much as it's terrible to say, I think that you're probably going to envision more of an election that occurred similar to 2000 than you will what occurred in 2016. Yeah, very good. Good work, Andy. Good work, Stamati. Uh, any closing uh, thoughts, gentlemen? You know, I think right now it's just, you know, making sure that your financial household's in good shape. Uh, well, we've we fielded so many calls over the last couple of weeks and months about how to prepare for this and what people are thinking about and what they're concerned about. Mm-hmm. So I would just get a clear understanding of where you are, whether it's from a tax standpoint, whether it's from an investment standpoint, whether it's from an insurance standpoint, mm-hmm. and take a look at your whole household and, you know, figure out where you might be having lapses. And you're going to want to get that straightened out as soon as possible, because if you do have a change of power, obviously there's things that are going to change from the estate tax to, to payroll tax to tips chat, uh, tax. So the whole system might be uplifted again, especially if you get a Democratic wave. So right now is the time you want to be making sure that you're reviewing everything that's under your financial roof and making sure that it's aligned with your goals and aspirations and avoiding any potential hiccups that could change with the, with the new administration coming in. And I just want to I, I just want to add um, uh, in this equation the the debt uh, side of it. Uh, interest rates are extremely low, so people can take a look at their um, uh, whatever they have debt on. Could be uh, the credit card, could be the car loan, could be mortgage. Uh, so take a look at that. That's uh, very important. Uh, again, holistically, as as Manny said, and. Uh, you know, it's it's probably the the best times, uh, one of the best times to to borrow money now. 
Yeah, it truly is. And to that point, too, if you're thinking about making any improvements or anything else, you know, home prices uh, have increased probably around 12 to 14% almost annually for the last couple of years. You probably have some pretty good equity in your homes. And to Samati's, Samati's point, you could have the ability to refinance and take money out of your equity and use it to, you know, to for future uses and what you're looking to accomplish. So there is opportunities right now just given how low interest rates are, and I don't think they're, they're going to be rising anytime soon. So I think that you can feel confident with what you choose. Very good. Very good report, gentlemen. Wall Street this week with Manny Frangidakis back to our regular time Friday at 11 a.m. Um, gentlemen, it's supposed to be a beautiful, beautiful weekend. Enjoy it. And uh, any plans, uh, Manoli? Patriots Monday, 5 o'clock. Yeah, I know. They keep switching the schedule on us. Um, no, just kind of hanging out, enjoying the long weekend. I've actually got a lot of work to catch up on, so um, hopefully hopefully spend some time outside. But uh, nothing, you know, super serious playing. Hopefully enjoy some Sunday football and a fast victory on Monday, and we get back on track. Beautiful, beautiful. Manny Frangidakis, 12 Points Wealth Management. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to speak with Manny directly, he would more than – be happy to accommodate the conversation. 617-212-8343. Again, 617-212-8343. Manny Frangidakis, 12 Points Wealth Management, Wall Street this week on Grecian Echoes. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good Friday, everybody.